an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. This week on Pitmaster, we have Walt Moulton from Rocky Top Barbecue. To say that Walt is a character would be an understatement. He's a fantastic cook, winner of the Jack, and just a great time to be around. He cooks with his wife, Rebecca, and his daughter, Mia. Hi, Mia. Mia's fantastic. I try to get him to give up the goods, but he's a tough cookie. This is a great conversation that I hope you'll enjoy. Please join me in welcoming Walt Moulton. We're here today with Walt. Walt the man, Walt the champ. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How was your barbecue season last year? <laughs> well, I don't really recall having one. <laughs> so I think if I'm right, the last time that you cooked was in North Carolina at the end of 2019. Yeah, in Lenore. And that's where we had two bats and you still owe me i love cooking against this man because it's just like taking candy from a baby <laughs> i figured we might make it five minutes in before he said something like that but we did not <laughs> what do i owe you for exactly is that chicken i don't know we had two bats i don't remember chicken and overall i think i think it's two bottles of bourbon isn't it <laughs> yeah i remember my bourbon <laughs> my bourbon oh but pretty good you say i believe i can take him <laughs> well sometimes you get taken sometimes they take I you i know yeah well hopefully we'll get to cook this year together some well i hope i mean i've got a few on the schedule but not many maybe five or six at the most really just depends on what happens but you've never been one to cook like 25 to 30 have you no, oh, I ain't had the chance to. I'd like to, but as my wife just looks at me with a mean face right then. <laughs> See, if it was up to my wife, we'd cook 45. She loves it. We have to trade for a year. Because <laughs> no, I'm like, I, it, we did 32 the one year, and that was about as much as I could handle. Yeah, that's, that's I mean... I mean, if you didn't have nothing else to do and you're retired and you could just go do what you want to, it'd be, it would be okay, but it's pretty tough to, for the ordinary man to do it. Right. Well, what do you think is the key to being as successful as you've been and not cooking that many contests a year? Well, for one, as Rebecca looks at me, it's uh, she's like me, so her. <laughs> it's her i mean she helps me a lot but two it's just it's just hitting all your marks and uh just you know what i'm saying cut out the bs and and focus right right and that's you know we've cooked beside each other a few times now and we always have a good time but one of the things that i'm always in awe of is your confidence and your just how sure you are of what you're doing where does that confidence come from uh, well i guess just <laughs> I guess just years of, of, I mean, I play a lot of ball in my life, basketball, and, you know, we just, you know, if you go in thinking you're going to get beat, you're going to get beaten. You got, I don't care who's out there, my my object is to win. Uh -huh. I mean, and you can't think negative. I mean, you know, yeah. if you don't go into it thinking that you're going to win and stuff, you, you ain't going to have a chance. You just got to have a lot of, of willpower and drive. You just got to go do it. Yeah, yeah, I tell that to people all the time. They're like, how do you think you're going to do this weekend? I'm, well, I'm going to win. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I'll have people call me a day or two before the contest when we're going down the road and they're like, 
I don't even know where I'm why I'm going. So and so's here, this team's here. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I don't care who's there. I'm cooking against myself. Doesn't matter. Yep, I had learned that lesson from Donnie. And ever since then I used to and I used to stare at the at the sheet of who all was coming and I know. And and and, and you know him as good as I do, old Jackie Price. He'd call me every Thursday. Do you know who's going to be there? I said, I've never looked at a sheet. I don't care who's there. I've never looked at a team list when I go cook a contest. It's immaterial. Yep. You're your own. You just got to go do your own thing. Right. You're not going to win every contest, but you got to act like you are. (laughs) I know. So we like to talk a lot about, in barbecue especially, we like to talk about our successes and all the great things that we've done, but one of the things that I like to talk about is our failures and how failures have helped you helped all of us get better. Do you have a favorite failure of yours at a competition that really helped you out and pushed you forward? Uh, probably one or two. I was, uh, I guess the first, first contest I ever cooked, you know, I rolled in there like I was going to win a thing, never cooked one, didn't know nothing about it, but you know, I still had that attitude. I think we can do okay. And we got killed. And then later on that year, I go to, to Nashville and we cooked down there and had a last place pork. I'm like, we failed. We failed all, we failed the whole year. And then I guess the biggest failure is when we went to uh, Jamestown and I had to contest one and I cooked the last place pork. <laughs> so that right there, you know, but it happens every day. Do you remember what happened with the pork that specifically? Uh, or? six people sitting at the table (laughs) (laughs) it was a double i turned the pork in i finished dead last the next day i turned the same pork in and i think i had a 176 in fourth place it's one of them things where it happens to everybody and it happened to me i I couldn't everybody said are you going to change the recipe you cooked the last place pork and i'm like i'm gonna give them the same stuff tomorrow that's what we did you know it's just you can't really dwell on the score sheet day in and day out. Yeah. If you, if you turn in a good product and you get scored bad, it don't necessarily mean you're a bad cook. Right. Could just be that day, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, and I experienced it. I mean, I made it eight, nine years and never had that really happen to me until that time in Jamestown that it, it happened to me. I right. mean, I had to contest one three like top five calls i think and then i then i'm getting ready to think i'm going up her on stage and never got a pork call and then i finished like 15th in a pack <laughs> those I are always, those are always fun especially when you when you know it was good <laughs> I, know. I know you've had a lot of success over your years of doing this what was the biggest turning point in your life as a pit master <laughs> well Man, I love hearing Rebecca laugh at these questions. <laughs> well, the biggest turning point. Well, one thing is we switched to, well, you know, we switched over to cooking on a jambo. And I'm, I think that helped. And then we kind of really got focused. And Rebecca kind of got focused. And we just kind of started being serious, you know? Yeah. The year or two before that, I done a lot of partying and drunk a lot. And, and when we cut all that out, we uh, we kind of got pretty serious after that. And, you know, you start getting a few calls and you start getting more confidence and then it just carries over. 
Yeah, but you guys seem to do a, have a nice balance between serious and having a good time, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you learn that over the course of doing this when you can really be serious and when you can have a good time. I mean, you know, you, you, you got to, like you say, you got to have a good balance. You can't like go all in or all out. You got to be. Got to maintain. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. <laughs> but we got enough experience under our belt. We can still kind of pull it together. Depends on how much tequila is around. Yeah. <laughs> so one of my favorite things about you, though, is is your superstitions and your habits and your rituals. Talk a little bit about that. What are some of your superstitions that you have? I mean, I do. <laughs> I do everything. I mean, leading up to a contest, I do everything the same way every day like. I'm going to trim chicken on Wednesday. I'm going to go get my chicken on Monday. I'm going to, I mean, everything I do, I'm going to load my trailer at this time. When I get there, you know, we set up, I say on Friday, I've got a schedule. I do everything the same time through a whole contest. I mean, I can't, I can't get away from it. Our superstitions, I mean. Come on, there's so many. If you're around you for five minutes, there's so many superstitions. <laughs> what kind of superstitions I got back? <laughs> I, I just I, I don't really have a whole lot of superstition it's just that I, I just you don't wear the same shirt no I'm, I'm not I'm not too bad on that on his clothes and stuff no you don't run to the stage for awards <laughs> <laughs> when I'm a whooping you I do <laughs> wow <laughs> man fucking wise that's awesome <laughs> Oh, that's that's been a fun contest to cook with you guys. I, know, I love it. I hope we get to do it again this year. I hope so too. It's it's one we've never missed it. We probably never will. And I I love RGC in there. It's fun. <laughs> and it's always to somebody from Tennessee or Kentucky. <laughs> that's a great time. That's a great time. Do you listen to music when you cook? Uh, not really. I ain't got time for all that. I got I, all I got time for is to cook cook the meat right. I don't listen to a whole lot of music back here. I just I just I do my thing. Oh, I know. As you said before we got on, that you made the erroneous claim that I spend more time in your trailer than I do in mine. Well, the reason I say that goes back to Lenore. <laughs> I wasn't there a lot. I was having a brisket issue, and uh, I just wanted to yeah, see. I what day two you figured it out i did i did figure it out and i still do that to this day <laughs> that's what i was telling rebecca man going like you know he comes over there on on friday and snooping around and then he comes back on saturday and, he, and then he comes over there and says look what i'm doing i'm like i mean <laughs> i'm it, i gotta give you credit if you're not if, you, if you're not trying you're not trying <laughs> i know <laughs> Oh, man. So when you first started out, what were some of the most worthwhile investments that you made in the beginning when you started competing? Two things, a woman and a pit. <laughs> <laughs> that will easily be the title of this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you, so, I mean, it's honest. I mean, listen, I, I, I traded off for a pit and I got a jambo and I traded off and I got me a good woman. And things started going uphill from her. In all facets. 
Oh man, that's a great answer. I really, I can't have a follow up to that one. That one. That's the way it works. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that answers that question. This next question involves a purchase of a hundred dollars or less, and that does not include a jambo or a good woman. So, what's a purchase of a hundred dollars or less that's really impacted your barbecue life, like a tool or, or something? And you can't say thermopen because everybody says thermopen. Well. Hey, some stuff I just can't tell you, but a hundred dollars or less. Yeah, that's a tough question. It's hard to buy anything under a hundred dollars. What? What do you mean? You there's some things you can't tell me. Well, you just can't tell all your secrets. This is for the people. I, mean, I went and bought a little thing for probably three ninety nine that I use every day. That I that I just can't. It's just the people want the people want to have something they can on all this stuff <laughs> come on give them something give people something a hundred dollar purchase i mean check they ain't much you can a good bottle of bourbon i guess i mean they ain't nothing that uh <laughs> i'm just trying to think i mean i don't cook with no i don't cook with no probes i mean i use a thermal pen just for a guidance but you're all feel i'm all feel i, I don't that's just too much to deal with the running probes and all that i, I don't i'm never I've never cooked with a probe. I cook on time. Mm -hmm. Well, that answers the next question. You don't use a lot of technology in your approach. Uh -uh. You know, I mean, very little. A thermopen is the only technology I use. That's it. Which is good. I mean, that's, you know, I use a lot of probes and stuff, but I use a lot of them as, as guide points. Reference. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I try and tell people that all the time. They're like, well, what's the finish temp? I'm like, Within 10 degrees, you never know when that each piece is different. And, and that's where I think a lot of people get misled on these probes and everything. I think they rely on that to tell them what they need to be doing when you need to be knowing what your meats are doing. It, it's it's an indicator, but you have to make that decision on when it's done. Yeah. When it's done, you, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about people in barbecue. I'm going to give a name and you give me your impression of them. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I started to say, probably wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> Who's impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? You know, when the first contest I cooked, I cooked against, I was set up between Howard Wooten, which used to cook a lot, Taste of Carolina, and Jackie Price. That's when I met Jackie Price 11 or 12 years ago. He set up right beside of me. And, uh, you know, them, them two right there taught me a lot. And then uh, Tommy Houston really kind of taught me quite a bit, too. So I would say probably, you know, Jackie Price and Tommy Houston probably has been. Uh, two great guys. They got a lot of out of me. Yeah. They both taught, taught me a lot as well. I mean, and you just spend five minutes with them, just soak it in, you know. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, and I can remember, I remember I was. I think we was at Kings Mountain, and I didn't. I cooked with Tom. I cooked beside of Tommy in uh, in Salisbury. First time I met him, didn't know him for nothing, and, and you know he kind of took me under his wing. And uh, I think we went to Kings Mountain one the next year, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And he's like, "Do you have any smoking guns? And do you have any Cimarron knots?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know," but he said, "Well, you need to start using it." So, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He just kind of, kind of guided me the steps. You know. Yeah. 
And of course, Jackie Price. Now he's a whole different story. He he's he's not one to really share a lot, but he wants to know a lot. <laughs> oh, I've had some some great talks with that man. He's he's going to be a future guest on this podcast just because I think he would be a lot of fun to have on here. Yes, yes. Matter of fact, I talked to him today there a little bit, and I got I I have to call him back today sometime, but I haven't got to it yet. <laughs> Oh man, tell him I said hello when you do. But so when you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who do you think of in terms of competition barbecue? Well, you think about Donnie Bray. Yeah. About Travis Clark. You talk about Darren Worth. Mm -hmm. Tuffy Stone. Meyer Mead. You think about all the, you know, the people that you hear about. Yeah. Very successful. And then there's plenty of people around us that's been very successful. Alan Clay, I mean, you, you can just, I mean, you know, if you just start thinking about all the people, I mean, everybody, there's a lot of us that's been very successful. All those names, they've all brought something big to the table, you know, in terms of competition, barbecue, and Donnie, for me, is one that I like, I, I bring up a lot because he was so influential in, in me cooking, you know, because I didn't know. I didn't know how serious people could take this when I took his class. You know what I mean? Like, right. I know. and he opened my eyes to a lot of things. I mean, you have to take it serious, really. I mean, you don't have to, but if you want to do good, I you, do well. you have to take it somewhat serious. Absolutely. Absolutely. In terms of things that have happened for you that have come out of, what's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Probably win and try on. What, 13, 2013, I think it's 98 teams there. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we've had just a little bit of success and really went in there and just, you know, I think we had two 180s that, that go around and we won it. And that's, that's part of the biggest, you know, at the time, that was just, that was a pretty big contest to win Tron. I mean, everybody talks about Tron and it's, we've been fortunate enough to, I think we won it twice and, uh, but that, that was probably the first big win that I really had. It just really propelled us. Mm -hmm. What has this participating in barbecue done for you that you didn't ex first expect when you started doing it? Like an unintended gift or something, you know, something that they gave you that you didn't expect. The, Rebecca said the friendships. <laughs> right. uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. We just, I, I never intended it to turn into this, you know, I just, we always cooked in the backyard. I mean, just we always just come to the house, had a little smoker, drank a lot of beer, never know if it was any good or not because everybody was probably don't even know what we even done. <laughs> and just kind of happened up on it by just, you know, there was a contest three or four miles from my house, and then we decided to do it. I mean, it was just one of them things for, you know, and we didn't think it would ever turn into what it's turned into. Right, which it's turned into, you know, everybody's got these giant trailers and these giant rigs, and God, I gotta sneak into your trailer if I want to spend time with you. <laughs> you know, what what do you think is missing from competition barbecue these days? What's missing? I, I can tell, you know, back when we started, there was a lot of people kind of gathered on Thursday night or Friday night, and had a lot of potlucks, and it just seemed like everybody's kind of just kind of just scattered out and it's kind of state you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. 
I can tell it's changed some. I don't know if it's more people serious or it's just kind of, you know, it, it's changed some. No, I think it's changed a lot, especially, I mean, I started in 2012, 2013, and, you know, we made it a point to get there on Thursday and not leave till Sunday, and, you know, there was a whole group of people that would do that. Now it just seems like everybody's running out. Get in there, get out, and, and that's it. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people's got a lot of busy lives, and it's just, uh, I don't know. And then you talk to people that's, that cook even before we did, and they talk about how it used to be even more socialized. Right. All, all pop-ups, no trailers. Yeah, everybody was just there. That was one of the cool things about cooking the King of the Smoker. And uh, everybody out there in the pop-up, and nobody could hide, and Oh, I know you're right there next to each other and you're just exposed. <laughs> I remember I was in there. That was the first time I ever met Lucky. And I'm sitting there and Kim's like, are you going to do that thing to the brisket? And I said, yeah, I think, but I kind of don't want, I kind of don't want anybody to see me do it. Do pray over it. <laughs> no, no, I, I I'm going to tell you because you know, so I pulled out this unmarked jar and I did the old MSG trick. Sprinkle it on, leave it on, then wipe it off. And I'm yeah. sprinkling it on and I'm hiding so so Lucky can't see me. And he doesn't even look up from his table. He going, people still do that MSG, MSG trick shit, man? Come on. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even look up. And he was like, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> like, well, no more hiding just get it on out hey when it comes down to there's there's really not a whole lot of secrets left really you know i mean it's well classes have changed that a lot oh yeah there's more people that's educated and and the little the learning curves are shortened you know when some man comes in my trailer and uh learns a few things man you are salty (laughs) one thing i will not do though not gonna do it So if, if you had to give advice to somebody that's a smart, young cook, they're getting ready to start doing competition barbecue, what advice would you give them? Probably tell them, you know, get you some good meat and maybe take a, I mean, if they've never had a class, go take a class. Uh, you know, don't, don't expect success overnight. I mean, everything, everybody thinks that, you know, this thing just comes overnight. Well, it don't, you have to work at it. I mean, you can go cook and that's fine but if you want to be successful you need you've got to work at it right a lot of practice a lot of people think you just throw your stuff in there and you go to the contest and you have a big time and you cook and you're supposed to do good well it it's more than that mm-hmm. i mean you have to be pretty focused and uh and you have to start out with some good meat you can't i think more and more it's more critical these days than it used to be I used to cook like prime briskets and could get by with it. Now, I don't, I don't, I haven't tried it in a long time and don't really want to because you, you have to, I mean, you got to give yourself a chance before you start. Right. You can't show up to knife fight with a toothpick. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, and that's one thing that you got to do. And I mean, and I would strongly suggest taking a class. I mean, I think that's, 
if you're really serious about it, if you can find somebody to go take a class and, and learn a few things, some people get it, some people don't. That's one thing about classes. I think you got 50 people in there. There's going to be five people who take seven away and can make it work, and the rest of them are just, they're just there. They're lost. Right, right. You ever taught a class? Never have. Going to? I thought about it. <laughs> He's a stone wall, folks. He's a stone wall. He will not. <laughs> hey, you know, if I taught a class, people would come like, man, you ain't no way that's what you do. That's, I mean, that, it, it's so simple. I mean. There ain't no way you turn your chicken over in that butter. It ain't happening. Hey, if I ever give a class, you'll, you'll see one thing. That chicken will be flipped upside down. I just hate that I lose to it every time. Doesn't make any sense. Trying to get you on my side. I mean, you can come and join us. Nope. Flipping club. <laughs> we'll get you a shirt. It says chicken flipping. <laughs> what I tell you, why is I walk by you? Flip that chicken. Uh, yeah, she did. And then I went and got a unicorn painted on my face. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever seen a picture of that, it doesn't look like a unicorn horn. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's funny. That was such a fun time. I I tell that story all the time, walking by those cops going, hey, guys. They just looked at me like, what in the hell did you do? So. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. But, I mean, that's what we're supposed to We're supposed to have fun, you know? What? Absolutely. That's the whole, I, you know, Darren says it all the time. He goes, when this stops being fun, that's when I stop doing it. Yeah, yeah. He's 100% right. I. You know, and I we got super serious there for a long time and to the point where I was starting to not have fun and I had to sit down with Kim and be like, look, we got to change some stuff here because I'm miserable when I come out here, you know? Right. I know. You've you, you got to, you, like you say, you got to have a balance. Yep. Balance is the key. Yeah. So you're a big gut feeling cooker. You are you're not a technology guy. When your gut tells you something to do something that doesn't fit with your timeline, how do you react to that? Well, first of all, I look at Rebecca and she she gives me that. She's usually the final say so. I'm like, I, I, I think I think it needs to go longer. She's like, I pull it. You're 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 you know, she's the one that and most of the time when my gut's a feeling it, I usually do it. But she has kind of overruled me quite a bit during, you know. She says she can read what I'm thinking, so uh, sometimes you just got to go with, you know, your first instincts. You know what? It just occurred to me. So we're going to do a part of this podcast is going to be a series where Kim interviews teammates, and the teammates get to dish about their pit masters and, and talk about some of their craziness. So I think Rebecca would be a really good one to have on. Oh, it would be hilarious. It would be good. <laughs> So one of your deals, though, that you really enjoy a barbecue contest, and I've seen you do it with more people than just me, is uh, is psychological warfare. You know, how important is that to you at a contest, messing with people? Well, I really don't intend on doing it. <laughs> uh, but when you got people like you and Jackie Price and uh, – radar and a lot of people that you can just really mess with it makes it even funner <laughs> uh, i mean 
listen, I'm just a big jokester. I mean, I like to just aggravate people. It, it's fun. I enjoy it when the more, especially when that whole group is together and it's just nonstop at each other. I love it. I know. I know. And it, I mean, it's, I mean, that's the fun of it. I mean, we all pick at each other and, uh, and, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going there trying to just mess with people's head just to think I can beat him, but I, I, that's just why I am. I just like, I just like aggravating people. Uh, I just like having a good time. Some people get bent out of shape over it. It, Sometimes it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all in fun. I love telling Radar his shoes untied. <laughs> Drives him nuts. Uh, <laughs> well, man, that's, I thank you for being on here. I want to get into these rapid fire questions because I think they're a lot of fun. These are the ones that I texted to you and you were like, WTF. And I'm like, these are the fun ones. This is the I, good time. I, I listen. I've got responses. <laughs> you got what? I've got some responses there on them questions. That's good. That's good. So what do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? I don't know. A lot of negativity about, I mean, just people's always complaining about the judge and the judge. And, and you know, I've been there. If, if you don't like it, don't cook. When you go to a contest, you have to figure that in the equation. Yep. If there's a chance that them six judges is not going to like what you cook. So when you go cook, you need to know that up front that what could happen. Yep. And sometimes it's sometime it, there is a judging issue. Sometimes they're not, but day in and day out, you have to figure that in the equation. And you know, either suck it up or quit. Right. It's not about what you like. That's the one thing I try to tell people all yeah. the time. If you don't like it, don't cook. I mean, that's how you solve it. I mean, Yep. We all grumble about it, but you know, in the end, we know what we're getting into. So what is one of your favorite pre, during, or post-competition meals? Well, I don't eat a lot. I get nervous when I'm cooking against people. I know you don't. I've never seen you like, it's disconcerting. You don't have a, like a on the way home meal or anything like that? No, we're usually just driving wide open to get home. And we, I mean, I, I don't really have no meal we just you know we, we, hey, we take it we take a, we take some shots between turn-ins <laughs> that's true that's our tradition thing every time we turn in a category we take a shot of tennessee fire yucky because we did it all we did it all year one year and we 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 was very successful the year we won the jack and everything we did it every year and we was relentless i mean every time we turned a category and we took a shot of tennessee fire then the next year we kind of got whooped up on and we we didn't think it was that's when the superstition gets away it, it ain't got nothing to do with it <laughs> do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people favorite present well two things a hard time i like giving people a hard time uh i like giving people barbecue and maybe if i like them enough i might give them some good bourbon <laughs> that's that's mighty sweet of you <laughs> What do you think are the biggest misconceptions about you? As Rebecca puts it, a likable asshole. <laughs> what I am. People think, I mean, I, I can see people probably come, well, I don't know. The mis biggest misconceptions, I don't know. That you have hair on the, under that hat? <laughs> it's about all gone. <laughs> I remember when I got your Facebook request, I was like, who is this? <laughs> no hat on? 
I don't know who this is. This is some old man holding some young girl. This is I know. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> All right, this is my favorite question. Well, one of my favorite questions. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to a bunch of people, what would it say? Effing legend. <laughs> would it have your picture on it or something? Right. It may even have that picture of oh, when I had that tuxedo about half off my chest out saying Effing legend. <laughs> That's a great picture. Um, <laughs> All right, so last, I'm sorry, I'm laughing so hard because that quest, that that picture is the best. <laughs> what is, so everyone knows that my unusual thing is buying underwear for people. So do you have an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? I'm not, I've been out on the underwear like you are where you got to have unicorns that's showing all the time. <laughs> I don't wear those anymore. They're bad luck. Oh, are they? I've cut unicorns out of my life entirely. Yeah, that wasn't a good year. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these got to go in the bottom drawer. Uh, <laughs> well, Walt, I want to thank you for being on here with us. And uh, is there any sponsors or uh, you want to let know, people know where they can find you online or anything like that you want to hit on the way out? Creepy old man on Facebook. <laughs> Listen, you know me. I don't have no sponsors. So ain't nobody gonna sponsor me. I just roll my own. I just do my own thing. And you know, there's something to be said for that. Listen, I have not never took. Listen, this is honest truth. I've cooked for twelve years, and I've never took nothing. I've never had a sponsor or nothing. Is that just because you want to? You know, because I get this question a lot, and you know, we have a lot of people we work with, but I tell people all the time. If you're not committed to that product or you're going to use it or if you stop using it, what are you going to do? You know, you have to be prepared to move on. And have you just wanted to stay that way, just stay your own entity for? I mean, it's just the way it's been. I, I mean, I'm not going to beg nobody for nothing. I'm going to get it on my own. Just like I had a conversation with Jackie Price the other day talking about, he's talking about the Roy Oak contest in Georgia. He said, man, I hope they have it. I said, well, I will never get to go because I'm not sponsored by Royal Oak because I don't burn charcoal. I'm not going to go get a sponsorship with Royal Oak when I don't burn charcoal. I burn wood. Charcoal is useless to me. Right. So, you know, I mean, there's no need to say, oh, Royal Oak and blah, 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 when you don't use it. No, that's that's a good point. I mean, I think there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, I need a rub sponsor. I'm like, why? I'm like, yeah. You get you get you better love that rub, <laughs> you know. I know. I mean, I and you know what? I mean, and I'm not saying this. I'm just saying that the rub is the most is the least expensive thing you can buy. I but I also know. think, I think it's one of the least important ingredients having a winning cook. I agree with you because I don't know how much that rub really impacts the flavor when you get done. Right. Right. I mean, especially when you're putting it on your chicken and washing it off in the butter. I'm not washing it off. There's a trick. And if you ever, <laughs> you, may, you may get to learn it one day, but right now we're going to keep it a secret. <laughs> Man, I thought I did a good job of leading you in there and I thought I'd get it, but nope. <laughs> my chicken, that the, the rub will never wash off of my chicken. And, I'll, and you've seen it. I flip it in butter and you've seen it. I know. 
put the skin side down in butter. I think and when you take it back up, it's just it looks just like you seasoned it. Ponder on that tonight. Well, well, I want to thank you for being on here, and uh, I hope to see you down the road here this year. That'd be great. We're looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, my friend. Take it easy. All right. Thanks. See you. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. We'll have another episode for you next week featuring the GOAT. Darren Warth from Iowa Smokey D's. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke LLC, all rights reserved, copyright 2021.